Join us today during the Jeep Celebration event. Right now, get 20% below MSRP for an average of 15178 under MSRP on the purchase of a 2023 Jeep Grand Cherokee Overland 4xe or Summit 4xe. Not compatible with lease offers or with any other consumer incentive offers. 15,178 average based on 20% below average MSRP from all 2023 Grand Cherokee Overland 4xE and Summit 4xE models and dealer stock. Residency restrictions apply. Take retail delivery from dealer stock by 4-1. Jeep is a registered trademark. Recorded live. Church. So that's what today's title 
is uh, going to be Rethinking Church. And uh, we will kind of hit several things today, um, uh, hopefully just enough to get us thinking, get us studying, um, get our minds uh, ticking about some things, uh, hopefully to drive us to study and just consider some things as to why we're doing what we're doing as uh, as Christians. It's not for everybody, um, but for those who are following me, I think you will kind of feel where I'm going. All right. Uh, let me start by saying this. Um, if we really take our faith in Christ seriously, then it goes without question that we will invest a lot of time in prayer, study, uh, Bible reading, in personal reflection, in meditation, and all of that. Um, these disciplines will produce growth. They will produce growth. There's no way that you can consistently pray, spend time with God in prayer, praise, worship, consistently study the scriptures, uh, read, uh, expose yourself to other um, uh, streams of knowledge. There's no way you can do that without growing. You will grow spiritually, and you will grow mentally. Okay, um, A great part of our Christian growth and, dis and discipleship has to do with your mental progress, has to do with your uh, learning. Okay, what did Jesus say? Take this yoke upon you and learn of me. It's, it's a mental function. Sometimes I think um, we treat our Christian faith as though it's only spiritual, that it's just a spiritual discipline. Now, it's more than a spiritual discipline. It's also a mental discipline. All right? Uh, those of you who are out there, if you can kind of just let me know you're there, I'm going to try to flip this phone and try to be a little more Whatever, so I can free my hands a little bit. I hope that's a little better. All right. So let me know you out there. If you've got a question or something, uh, let me know. Hopefully I can see it and get to it. Um, but if not, post it on Facebook. And if I don't address it in tonight's session, I definitely would uh, post something, uh, even if it's personal inbox or something. Um, I'm very confident like that. I don't like to spread people's business. All right. So, but uh, as far as growth, it's a mental thing also. And there's there's no way... You can be saved for a number of years and you not grow, right? Uh, listen, if you still only know what you knew when you first became a believer, then, my friends, you have failed in being a disciple of Jesus Christ. So let me say that again. If you only know what you knew when you first got saved, then you have failed at being a disciple of Jesus Christ. That may be a harsh statement, but it's true. There's no way you can, again, consistently engage in the principles of prayer, study, reading the Bible, expose yourself to other streams of knowledge, and all of that, and not grow and not learn. Okay? All right, so let me also say this. This particular lesson tonight, what I'm going to deal with tonight, is sort of a peek, a look into where I am personally in my uh, discipleship growth and development. Um, I find my beliefs deepening. I I still believe much of what I have believed, but how I believe it has changed. How I believe is somewhat, uh, I like to say, evolving. All right? Now, this is a disclaimer. Let me 
say this. I do not intend to be divisive or inflammatory with some of the statements I will make tonight, although some things I say will be challenging. But for those who know me well will know that I intend no harm at all with my statements. Uh, what I'm about to say has been bathed in prayer, much thought, much reflection, much meditation, some for a series of years, not just minutes or, you know, but a series of years I've been thinking, meditating on some things, trying to um, come up with the right words, the right phrases to communicate or articulate uh, some of these things. It may not be perfect, but please charge it to my head and not my heart. All right. And uh, what I also will say tonight is again, it's, it's, it's from where I am. It's I'm not being you know, a spokesman for any particular person or any particular platform or agenda. The Word of God is my platform, and how I'm understanding the Word of God, what I believe the Word of God is saying and has said. That's my platform. All right. That's what I want to communicate and articulate to you tonight. All right. Uh, so so that's that's where we are. All right, now, rethinking church, what, what am I talking about? Sometimes uh, what we experience as, as church, we, we do certain things, um, and, and really what we've done is pretty much create a subculture um, with church. And many times uh, what we experience and do and say about what we think church is, sometimes it's a little different when you really explore what the Bible says about church. It's, it's somewhat different, all right? For instance, I'm just going to jump right in because I'm not going to be very, very, uh, very long tonight. Sometimes I think our message and our efforts um, do more to prop up the institution the church institution rather than help people. You preach things that benefit the institution of church, not necessarily people. And the church is the people of God. We're, we're the people of God. All right, It's more than just an institution with the structure of, of leadership, uh, a, a structure of authority and buildings and laws constitutions, things of that nature. The church is way more than that. Okay, above all, it's, it's the people of God. God called us out uh, to be his people, his representatives on this earth. And we have to be careful that our messages and what we preach and what we promote uh, are not used to prop up the institution. All right? Because sometimes we will... God, let me say this more. Please, Jesus. We, we, we abuse people. We misuse mishandle, assassinate individuals, people, so the institution can, can live and, and survive. Ladies and gentlemen, that's flat out wrong. We should never abuse people for the sake of an institution. What's that little saying? The, the ends justify the means. Not so in the kingdom of God. Let me say that again. Not so in the in the kingdom of God. It is never okay to be wrong to promote right. Never okay to be and do wrong to promote right. This is, I, I'm kind of getting ahead of myself. We have this little doctrine. Um, I, I'm ahead of myself. 
time we hear it preach at pastor's anniversaries a lot. Everybody need a Peter in their church. Here's what they mean. You need somebody in your church that'll fight for you. And they're not talking about fighting the spirit. They're not talking about spiritual warfare. They're not talking about praying. They're talking about literally hand to fist to face striking. That's ungodly. That is not Christ-like. Okay? That's worldly. We need a Peter. No, you need a Peter. You need a disciple. You need an apostle. You know, that type of Peter. But you don't need somebody to fight and, and, and be violent. That's crazy. And we preach that and say amen, quote, unquote, with an anointing. Ladies and gentlemen, that's ludicrous. That's not biblical. It's not Christ-like. Okay, I got a few hearts. How y'all say in the church? It's tight, but it's right. Absolutely it's right. And I don't ask whether or not you agree with me, as long as you understand what I'm saying. All right? That type of thing, we need to rethink while we say that. You mean telling me we are promoting and setting people in certain positions in our churches so they can literally fight? What's wrong with us? What happened to the, the fruit of the Spirit uh, of, of love and gentleness, meekness? What happened to the leadership qualities in, in Titus and Timothy that talks about the man of God should not be a striker? Whoa, I guess you didn't read those scriptures. All right, got you. All right, I kind of got ahead of myself. But again, we're promoting more of the institution, and we're trying to keep that alive rather than uh, 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 helping and investing in people. We'll drain people, even financially. We will drain people so the institution can thrive. Not the way I stood. That's not the that's not the biblical model. And it's not the heart model. It's not the Christ model. It's not the Christ that we see him move with compassion and, and how Jesus even done and moving to the miraculous so that he can provide for the needs of the people, not necessarily the institution of the people. I hope what I'm saying is making sense. Alright? So our messages and our efforts have to do more than just prop up the institution. It has to help. And we have to help people. So we got to rethink, I believe, how we teach certain things in the church. Things like money. Yeah, things like money. Things like tithes and offerings and first fruits. Let's rethink how and why we teach those things. Okay? Because some of us aren't teaching them. Uh, really so that the people's lives can be better. We're not teaching them in the interest of people and their families. They're teaching it for the interest of the institution. It's sometimes personal gain. But there's a difference in the tone. There's a difference in the heart in how and, and when we preach. Yes, there's so many things about money in the scriptures. But I question the why. I question why so many messages tailored toward money. I, I question, I do, I question why. Why, why are we doing, why, do, why are we spending so much time? Do we really care about the quality of life of our listeners, our congregation? Or are we just trying to bring more money to help the institution? Rethinking church is what I'm doing. Here's something else I'm thinking about. What do we mean by 
coming to church? What's the reason? Why do we uh, support, promote, and encourage coming to a fellowship, coming to uh, a local church? Why? Okay. Are we really doing it? Do we really believe that people's lives can be better? How would their lives be better? Let me say quickly, I do believe in a, a Christian fellowship. Uh, you know, I, I'm using some different terms as an understanding because, you know, some terms I think we've used it so much to redefine things. So uh, when I mean coming to church, I, what I'm talking about is Christian fellowship. I mean coming together with believers of like precious faith that, that's believing how we believe, that want to go in the same direction that we're going. There's nothing wrong with that, okay? That needs to be the reason why we promote things like that, all right? Uh, uh, does that make sense? Okay, it has, it should make sense. So why are we promoting, quote-unquote, coming to uh, our, our particular church? What are you doing? When the people get there, they need to see, physically see, they need to be able to measure why they're coming there is making a difference in their life. And if we can't give the reasons as to why they're coming there can make a difference, stop inviting them. Just come to church, and then we snatch the text out of context uh, for Satan, not ourselves, for the sin to get. Now, now, listen, I promote that, okay? Okay? Uh, but we, we make it a mandate. We make it a law. We make it as you you got to your better. Why? 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 Is the question. Rethink it, church. So let's rethink why we are inviting people. Rethink why you're going. How many of us? And I, I'm a church baby, you know, grew up in the church. My daddy stopped preaching when he was 16 years old. Um, my mama baptized in the Holy Spirit when she was 12 years old. And so by the time they met, got married, all of us, my six siblings, all of us raised, reared in the church, all of that. We pretty much did it all. Not only am I a musician, uh, minister, and all that, I kind of matriculated through everything. Sunday school teacher, usher, choir, um, all of that. Okay, we cleaned the church. We did it all, all right? So I understand that. So how many of us went to church hating to go mad, but we went only because we had a duty? Let's be honest. How many times we went and pretty much it was just way too much drama at some of the services? Way too much. So you mean telling me coming there benefited us? All that drama, all that fussing, all that gossip? Sometimes fighting, breaking up fights. Yeah, at the church. Yes. So we're going to tell people you got to come to church for drama? No. Stay home. Don't come for drama. How are we going to tell them to come to a place that God is not in? Okay? Yeah, I'm sorry. I'm saying it. Rethinking church. I think it's wrong to invite people to our madhouses. It's wrong to invite them to our dysfunction. They coming and seeing us fussing and fighting and hating on one another, mistrusting one another, uh, throwing shade and all this other stuff. Really? And we claim we got the truth. I know the term is truth. T-R-U-T-H. That's how we say it. We got the truth. Please. Please with that mess. All right? So let's, let's rethink what we mean by coming to church. Our Christian community should be uh, or rather, Christian community and unity 
should be the goal of a local assembly, bringing people together, all right, enriching their lives. That should be the goal of our coming together, all right? Um, uh, here's something else about, quote, unquote, coming to a particular church. Being a part of a particular Christian community or local church should not exclude you from participating and supporting another Christian community or local church. I, I don't, I, I, I know what we mean, but the more I'm trying to understand the Bible and the church from the Bible, Bible's perspective, I'm finding it hard to understand. Why does me being a part of Truth Song Ministries prohibit me from supporting, visiting, celebrating another local church? Aren't we all a part of the body of Christ? No, but the way we're doing it nowadays, uh, because you are part of us church, can't support, can't participate, can't celebrate another ministry. Something's wrong with that, y'all. And, and again, I, I've not just start having these types of, of thoughts. These, these, these are years in the making. Years in the making. We don't promote unity throughout the body of Christ. Oh, we'll say it through the pulpit. We got to get more together. We got to get in unity. But nobody will do anything. And one of the things we have to do is rethink what we think about, quote, unquote, being a part of our local assembly. Number one, I'm, I'm going to say this, and listen, um, Restyle just fully became, I guess, uh, taking on the, uh, what you call it, official title and all that of, of uh, pastor, senior pastor, or whatever. So some people may think I'm shooting myself in the foot, but I refuse to preach and teach something that I don't believe. All right, so I'm going to say this anyway. Our goal should be making sure people are a part of the body of Christ, not necessarily part of our local assembly. All right? Our goal should be making sure people are a part of the body of Christ, being a member, a body part of the body of Christ, not necessarily um, a part of our quote-unquote local church. So what I'm seeing is that we're more membership-oriented rather than member-oriented. Here's what I'm saying. We're rather folk to put their name on our role rather than making sure that they're uh, in the Lamb's Book of Life. Something's wrong with that, y'all. Something's wrong with that. Okay. So we need to rethink what we mean about coming to church and having our own church and all that type of, type of stuff. All right. Here's something else. All right. I'm, I'm kind of kind of getting in here now. And my time is uh. Time is uh is uh, fastly uh declining. Again, sometimes we promote more of our institution, more than we promote God's heart on things. Do you really take time and think about what's what's on God's mind and God's heart on things pertaining to family, things pertaining to marriage, our community, our health, and healthy living? Uh, do we do we really? Think about that. Now, tell the truth. We'll tear up a family in the name of our institution. Drive marriages apart. Minister got to be married to the ministry. Says who? Find that scripture. Find where Paul tells Timothy that your heart should be more towards ministry than towards your wife. Find that verse for me, please. 
And sometimes we don't say it, but we live it. How many times we've seen uh, husband and wife pastoral team and all that stuff can't stand one another, but they pastor the church? How many times we've seen that? All right, they're not even living together. Many of them, some of them, not even living together. But we promote ministry rather than the marriage. Something's wrong with that, y'all. That's not biblical. It's not the biblical model. Move off that a little bit. Here's something else. Let's look at one scripture. I haven't really took it, taken us to a scripture. Uh, Ephesians 4:11. Most of us can kind of quote it by heart. 4:11. What else? Uh, let me say it before I say this next thing. Draw it. Comments on this. All right. Ephesians 4:11. And uh, this is what it says. And he gave some apostles and some prophets and some evangelists and some pastors and teachers. He gave some apostles, some prophets, some evangelists, some pastors and teachers. Why did he give them? For the perfecting or the equipping or the maturing of the saints for the work of the ministry, for the edifying of the body of Christ, till we all come in the all come in the unity of the faith and the knowledge of the Son of God unto a perfect man, unto the measure of the stature of the fullness of Christ, that we henceforth be no more children tossed to and fro and carried about with every wind of doctrine. Now, here's what I'm saying. Based on what I just read in Ephesians 4, and those of you who are Bible readers or, or went to it with me, you you see it. All right? It's the only shout-out I did. I'm kind of, I'm, I'm in the flow, but my brother just popped up. What's up, man? Uh, Adara Blight, the preacher himself. All right, so 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 listen. Shout-out to Prophet Michael McCann. I saw him. Some other people, I think Evangelist Granger, I saw you. Um so please forgive me for not shouting out. I'm kind of in the flow. I'm not quite used to all this stuff. You know, kind of one-dimensional. All right. Let's get back to Ephesians 4. All right. Based on this text, most of us and most of the Christians I know, I don't know about you, and I've been to church all my life, and most, if not all, of the Christians I know are woefully, grossly under-equipped based on this, this text in Ephesians 4. We advocate in our church today, we advocate having only one, say it again, one major spiritual voice or leader in our Christian life, rather than the multiplicity of leaders found in Ephesians 4. And he gave some apostles, some prophets, some evangelists, and some pastors. That's a multiplicity of leaders, a multiplicity of voices. But talk to me. We advocate having only one voice. God help me tonight. So based on this, most of us are woefully under-equipped for anything. No wonder we are tossed to and fro 
by every way in this light of doctrine. No wonder we're not clear on what we believe. No wonder we're not solid and stable in our faith. We are woefully. No wonder the church um, in the 21st century is not moving as fast and as deep and as broad as we should. We're not equipped. We're under-equipped. Only one voice. One, really? Seriously? You ever wonder about some statements we make, y'all? You ever wonder why I come up in a black, socially black church, charismatic, something they call it, Pentecostal, apostolic church. I mean, just let me say apostolic. That's how I was reared, apostolic, okay? Uh, but come up in those, you know, charismatic, Pentecostal type churches. Look at the, some of the, some of the uh, words and phrases we use. And then look at the people in our congregations. We make statements, they have made statements like, there could be only one, one vision in the house, one voice, one vision in the house. Can't have two visions because that's what? That deep revelation? Die vision. Okay? But ever wonder why we only reach a certain level of professional people in our congregation and then it cuts off? I mean, we just now start getting master degrees in our church. Tell, tell the truth, honestly. Very few doctors just now start getting, and, and other professionals beyond uh, a school teacher. We just now start getting lawyers, uh, medical doctors. Come on now, tell the truth. Just do some history in, in your church, all right? But look at what we're telling them. We tell folk of high learning, high education, driven people that CEOs will come. We can't have a one vision is where their success comes in life. And they come to our church and we tell them you can't have a vision. I digress. I hear you. I'm sorry. I digress. I, I digress. But most of us are woefully, we're, we're, we're under-equipped because we're only promoting one voice in um, in the Christian life, and it takes a multiplicity of voices. It does nothing against your pastor. Um, if you listen to somebody else, I mean, now people can't, they really can't say anything about it because, you know, we have a computer, we have phones, with, which is a computer and all of that, so they can't really stop us. But how many people... Uh, uh, remember years ago, and some of them still try. We couldn't go to other churches. We couldn't go to other churches. And uh, couldn't listen to other people on the radio. They forbid that. Forbid us listening to other preachers. Now I guess they just know they can't stop it. But um, what kind of foolishness? I thought, and I know there's some people uh, who are in false thoughts. But, 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 but listen. I have another teaching because I, uh, sometimes I think uh, we believe that people have to be theologians in order to be saved. You don't have to be a theologian in order to be saved. But we think people got to say, believe, understand, and articulate everything the exact same way. Maybe I'll do something and, or have a, a lesson where I can ask a bunch of preachers and pastors and people way, way, way more smarter than I what we mean by some stuff because some arguments are just muted to me. All right, let me move on. My time is running out. Uh, Okay, based on leadership again, I just read Ephesians 4. Let's get to something else about leadership in, in the church. Father, help me say this well. This doctrine of covering. What do we mean by that? Who you're covering? What, what, where do we get that from? Can we, can we point to a scripture um, where we get that term, who's your covering? I know, 
who's over you? Here's, here's one of my favorite ways we put it. Who you up under? I love that. Don't you love that? Oh, I swear. Who you up under? I understand. And please, you just heard me advocate on Ephesians 4.11 that we need leaders. We need, a, to me, a multiplicity of forces in our in our, in our our life, in our Christian walk. So don't say, I'm not saying that we don't need an apostle. That's not what I'm saying. Okay. Let me come back to this covering thing. Um, because I, I can't find, you know, really strong... I hear what the Bible says about Christ being our covering. God, you know, on the covering of his wings and things like that. I just... That was, What about the doctrine of fathering? That's, that's another one. Fathering. Somebody say fathering. Who your spiritual father? Who your father? And listen, even naturally, you cannot exist and you are existing except by the contributions of your father. That goes without saying, right? Absolutely. But what do we mean? In our settings, when we say father, who's your father in the gospel? I know what we say we mean, but what do you mean? Because what I'm saying, people just choosing fathers every two years. You abandon one father, and now you, I guess, what you mean? I, can you, even those who, people who don't have a relationship with your natural father, can you undo your father's work in your life? No, because to undo it means you won't exist. But that's what we try in the church. Because you leave one church, they cease to have any kind of substantive influence in your life, past, present, or future. You just disregard them. And now all of a sudden, this is my father in the Lord. Listen, some of y'all just hungry for a platform, hungry for a stage, and you're hungry for attention. That's your problem. It's daddy issues. It's real Daddy issues. You brought this over into the church, but it's your real daddy issues, your problem. But, you know, I'm not going to play my counselor role tonight. You need to see somebody about that. That's the problem. You need to go make amends with your real daddy. But we'll talk about that later. Uh, but, but, but the thing is, where do we get this stuff from? And then we run over to the Bible. Um, we, we run to the Bible and, and pull some, con- some text out of context. Let's look at some of what the scripture says uh, about Fathers, Christian fathers, okay? Um, this is what Paul said in Galatians 4, 19. Galatians 4, 19. And um, I'll be shutting down in about 10, 7 to 10 minutes, okay? Have another engagement. All right. My little children of whom I travail in birth again until Christ be formed in, in you. Let me read that again. My little children of whom I travail in birth again until Christ be formed in you. Let me read this in the English Standard Version. My little children, for whom I am again in the anguish of childbirth until Christ be forming you. Paul, yes, he's saying I'm your spiritual father. But he's saying I'm going through something for this position in your life. And what I'm going through is so that Christ be formed. In you, the anointed one and his anointing. I'm going through what I'm going through for you. 
Now, when you got somebody in your life like that, call them your father. I'm not talking about somebody that's going to try to fuss you and make you and coerce you, manipulate you into sending them a particular amount of money every month or stuff like that. No, I'm talking about somebody like this, all right? Somebody who's going to labor with you, you know, in the spirit. And it's, I, in other words, they're going through so that you can mature in Christ, so that you can grow up. And when you got somebody that can suffer that way for you, not you suffer for them. Then you call them the Father. Let's look at the other scripture. One of the famous ones. First Corinthians chapter four, verse fifteen. All right. I declare I would respond to some of y'all by name. I don't, I don't know who y'all are. I, please, I'm just not getting on this this uh, periscope. Good. Uh, please let me know who you are. All right. Um, uh, First Corinthians chapter four, verse fifteen. All right, uh, let's get to uh, King James. For though you have 10,000 instructors in Christ, yet have ye not many fathers. For in Christ Jesus, I have begotten you through the gospel. Okay, let me read that in the uh, New Living Translation. For even if you had 10,000 others to teach you about Christ, you have only one spiritual father. Oh, for I became your father in Christ Jesus when I preached the good news to you. So Paul clarifies and validates how and why he is the father. He's more than just an instructor, a tutor, a governor, according to Galatians chapter 4. He's a father because he is the one that preached the gospel. He's the one that initiated them coming into the faith. That's a spiritual father. Some of y'all, your spiritual father is a Sunday school teacher. Spiritual father is your own parents, a grandmama, old deacon that led you to Jesus Christ, a missionary at the at the altar, missionary, you know, uh, on the altar that, that brought you and prayed you on through, carried you on through. That's your spiritual father, the one that brought you and preached you into the family of God. That's your spiritual father. You can't neglect and abandon that person. Again, it's just like your natural father that carried the seed for you to be born. You can't undo them just because you see somebody that's more successful, look better than you, uh, you know, than your natural father. Come on now. Some of y'all need to go back and pay homage to your natural father. Excuse me, your spiritual father. You need to go back, your true spiritual father. You need to go back and pay homage to him. Repent. Make amends and all that because you've neglected, you've abandoned them. You know something? I, I'm a, okay. Some years ago, I was, I was, I was challenged by the Holy Spirit. Challenged by the Holy Spirit. Because some of us, again, we despise the day of small things. We despise our small beginnings. We despise who our father, our spiritual father, who they were, really were, because. They were seemingly small, insignificant, didn't have as much as the next person, didn't have a big church, didn't have a huge ministry. Nobody really knew nothing about them, couldn't hardly read, pronounce words wrong, and we despise them. But you know something? There's very few people in the Bible. There's only one that's coming to mind. There's a lot of types of people that the Bible says the Lord hate. You know, hate liars, they hate, you know, that type of thing. Those that so discord and all that. But people that he called by name that he hate, I'm only recalling one. Jacob have I loved. Esau 
Why did God use such strong language about Esau? Because Esau despised his birthright. See that there? You need to think about that. He despised his birthright. God said, I hate him. Oh, it shook me up. The Holy Ghost shook me up with that thing some years ago. I had to do some things about that. Okay. Some of y'all need to do the same thing. You can't, you can't despise who your father is. It's because they don't have all the, you know, big things. They don't have a Learjet and all this stuff. Stop it. Some of y'all been pastoring. Some of y'all been bishops. For 10 years, it comes to a fellowship and I that's my spirit. Shut up. Stop it. Stop it. God help me. You know what? I'm going to stop right here. I'm not going to go any further. Oh, my goodness. Because um, I want to talk about this covering thing. What do we mean by that? I want to talk about back to our institutions, how we support our institutions, what we support people. In our institutions, we um, we can we can be so prejudiced and discriminatory how we promote and celebrate one and assassinate another. We choose who's going to be the next celebrity among us. And the reasons why we choose them sometimes are not honorable. We promote people who promote the institution, not necessarily the ones who promote um, biblical doctrine. Not, not necessarily the ones who are spiritual, uh, but we will promote the ones who are faithful to the institution. Not faithful at home, but faithful at church. Children don't even know him, but I know the work of this man. Why? Because he at church all the time. Ask his wife and children about him. Or her, you know, whatever. Neglect the family for the institution. Something's wrong with all that. We need to rethink how we do all of these things. We need to rethink church. I, I've been rethinking church, and that's what this little lesson was tonight, rethinking church. So uh, maybe I'll pick up on this. Maybe it's too much uh, for some of you. Um, I've been writing some things for some years now. Um, it's one of the many books I'm, I'm uh, working on. I have a uh, um, friend I met this year, uh, this summer I believe it was, uh, Lawrence. His name is Lawrence, and uh, very, very challenging. Challenging, challenging. Um, a friend of mine, he's been challenging to do some things, to make some things, to paper, and just do some other things. Um, but yes, um, rethinking church is is, uh, is 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 on my heart, it's on my mind constantly. Because listen, just because we're doing it, just because we passionately believe it, still doesn't make it right. Still doesn't make it true. Just because we believe it. All right, listen, that's all time. Uh, for today, two songs. We worship it on Sunday, Sunday morning, 11 o'clock in Florence, 1719 South Urban Street, uh, in Florence, South Carolina. That's Dots. It's right behind the uh, Willie James restaurant. It's right there. Meet us there at 11 o'clock. We have uh, Once the Time of the Lord, Once the Time fellowship, Fellowshipping uh, with the Saints. And of course, on Tuesdays, we have our Bible class. Next Tuesday, we'll be on site at the same location, 1719 South Urban Street. We won't be at our uh, True Faith next week. We'll be at 1719 South Urban Street. Bless you. We thank you for your time. Thank you for being a part of us. And uh, Father, I thank you. I bless you for this time we've had your word, had with your believers, uh, those by phone and those by uh, periscope. Bless them. We pray that your Holy Spirit, your word, has moved, has challenged, informed, 
and inspired and empowered them. Father God, we pray uh, that we be challenged and moved to change by your word, not by our thoughts, our ways, our preferences, but we are moved to change by your word. We thank you for these things. We bless your name for us. In Jesus' name, amen. God bless you. Thank you all so much. Uh, hit me on Facebook, Twitter, or something. I'm trying to get used to it. Let me know what you think, but I need to improve on all of that. Uh, bless you. Peace and blessings unto you. All right?
Without the ones like you, who work tirelessly to keep things running, everything would suddenly stop. Hospitals, factories, schools, and power plants, they all depend on you. No matter the weather, emergency, or time of day, you're the ones who get it done. At Granger, we're here for you with professional-grade industrial supplies. Count on real-time product availability and fast delivery. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done.